Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. Good afternoon, Will. Gordon, it's good to be here with you. It is good to be here. And it's a special time of year. It is. In the Northern Temperate Zone in particular. Yep. We just are blessed. I, I, you know, I keep coming back to this. I find myself repeating, we're so blessed to be in the Northern Temperate Zone Mm -hmm. uh, over and over again to my students because it it just reveals itself over and over again how how having four seasons is really special. It is. And uh, although our Eastern listeners are in one sense more blessed. Spoiled rotten. You know, I spent a good chunk of my, well, I spent almost 12 years raising my family in Virginia. Yeah. You know, and we were always wanting to get up into the Appalachians up in the Blue Ridge to see, you know, see the peak in October. Yeah. um, Of all of the beautiful uh, color changes in the deciduous trees. Did you have a, uh, was there a certain time or location where you saw the best fall colors you've ever seen? You know, varied from year to year, but generally sometime in October, we just sort of like, is it peak now or is it past peak? And yeah. Um, sometimes we'd be bummed if we didn't get up in the mountains, you know, right at the, at the peak peak. Right. And, uh, but it's just, uh, glorious of the oranges and the yellows and the reds and, uh, out here in the West where Will and I are, it's a coniferous forest. And, um, you know, we do have splashes of lots of color. The understory. The the understory is still, uh, those are the, the smaller trees and shrubs that have, that are deciduous, have beautiful color changes as well as some of the, you know, we do have the aspen. Aspen can really make a strong showing. A nice grove of aspens with a nice pop of yellow sprinkled in yeah. the coniferous green. But, and also in town, uh, most of the trees that the city uh, has sprinkled in, uh, in all of their landscaping of the town, yeah, it's uh, deciduous trees. And so we get lots of color in town. Yeah, those maples really steal a show kind of in, in the Northeast. I remember a special time backpacking in the, in the Poconos and got up into... Uh, into some beautiful fall colors. And the sugar maples just have such a shocking, I guess, mm-hmm. variation or variety of, of yellow mm-hmm. to red. Right, um, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we all have our, some of the, the tree, one of my favorite Eastern trees that have a lot of different colors, even in one leaf, uh, it's a sweet gum. Oh, yes. Usually in a tree, it, it was like sort of each leaf had its own, well, there would be multiple colors, but you you would get more of more of a leaf being one color and another leaf somewhere else being a little different shade. Yeah. But the sweet gum had a really really nice blend. Oh, that's great. Per leaf. But I don't know what's your you know as talking about favorites. Yeah. Um I'm, let me mention one sure, favorite sure. here just cuz I was I was just back east, got to see a little bit of fall colors there. And it was mostly yellows where we are. My folks are at the foothills of the Blue Ridge. It's mostly yellows, but there are a couple of standout trees. You know, the red oaks often have some really good red there, but I was especially impressed with the sassafras, mm-hmm. a lot of understory trees. Sassafras is an understory tree, maybe get 20 feet at best. And the variation per leaf, as you were mentioned, we really went from deep red to, to lighter red. And then the sour wood, uh, okay. which is another understory tree. And that one, that one spanned the gamut really from yellow to orange to deep red. 
That's great. Yeah. That is great. So I was just going to ask you, do you have a, on that red to yellow, do you have a favorite? Mm, I, I think I do. I think my favorite is deep orange. Me too. It just hits, it just hits all yeah. of the spots right. Now, and, but the thing is, is that I, I do like the variety because if it's just all, if you've got a place, it's just all yellow, it's, it's, everything's wonderful, but if it's all yellow, it's. I like uh, yellow and I like orange and I like red and I love that, that mix of colors. And I think that we come back to the Northern temperate zone again, the Lord loves diversity. Yes. He, and he builds it into his creation in remarkable ways. And we have such color diversity in, yeah. in our, we even have a little bit of, you know, we have a lot of yellows in the, in the coniferous forest here. We do have those rare uh, deciduous evergreen yeah, yeah, trees, yeah, yeah. you know, the maybe tamarack, right, uh, an larch. apparent, an apparent contradiction yeah. of terms there. Yeah. The larch, man, they turn some beautiful golden yellow. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see that mixed into the, yes. into the fir forest. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we so really we have should, to, we have to get into biochemistry yeah, here. Now, really, don't yeah. We? We're going to, uh, now that we've talked about the beauty of it all, now let's, let's look at what's going on in terms of the biology and the biochemistry yeah. in these colors. So do you want to- Take it away. Well, I'll, yeah, feel free to interject. Yeah. Um, but we all know the, the predominant color of most trees is green. And if you've had a little bit of biology, you know that the uh, chlorophyll, which is the, the major photosynthetic pigment, is uh, really the most abundant pigment in the leaf during the summer, spring, summer. And the carotenoids, now these colors that we've been mentioning, the orange and yellows are the carotenoids. And then as you get uh, into the reds, mm -hmm. what are they? The anthocyanins. An yeah, the anthocyanins. Yeah. Now the carotenoids are the yellows, oranges, golds. And you've got, you've got about 1,100 different kinds of carotenoids. Wow. Uh, Just in plants alone. Yeah, 1100. Well, I don't know if it's all plants, but but yeah, 1100 different carotenoids. And the and the carotenoids which range from orange to yellow come in two major classes, the uh carotenes and the xanthophylls. Mhm, mm that's right. And the xanthophylls are the on, toward the yellow end. So if you see leaves that are just yellow yellow yellow, uh that's uh xanthophylls. Doesn't mean that there aren't there's, there's other carotenes in it, but the carotenes tend to, uh, be more toward the orange and deeper, uh, golds and ambers and stuff like that. Right. And those are all carotenoids. So what do they, so what do they do? Um, so, uh, well, for, first and foremost, the, uh, the pigments, these are uh, many of these, maybe all of them, correct me here or fill, fill in the gaps here sure. are act as enzymes. Um, so they're, they're biological catalysts, at least chlorophyll is, in that it, it does two things. It absorbs the light. That deep green has a, a high range of wavelength absorption of visible light. And right. so it brings, it, it captures a lot of that light, takes it from that, that kind of um, mechanical type of form, and then is able to utilize it in producing uh, glucose and oxygen during the photosynthetic process. Right. And so it also speeds up that reaction. So it absorbs a lot and then carries that reaction well, out. It definitely, it definitely facilitates a reaction, but because chlorophyll, uh, it's, 
you know, enzymes are proteins and chlorophyll is more of a, it's a different type of molecule, but it, uh, that it absorbs that light and then way beyond the scope of a podcast. Yeah. It, um, absorbs the light. And then in the physiology of photosynthesis, it, that light absorption causes the electrons to get in a higher energy state and then those electrons jump down the, this, this amazing chain. Well, we're not going to get into all of that. The amazing thing about, uh, and some biology teachers like to say this, is that chlorophyll is green because it reflects green and transmits green. It doesn't, it's not, uh, you know, it absorbs the blues and the, the reds, the, the blues and the reds in the visible light. And then, um, just like you have, the reason you have, and I like to compare it to baseball, the reason why you have lots of fielders is to catch, like if you only have the pitcher, then the pitcher could catch what goes right straight at him or just a little bit around him. But if you want to have, if you want to cover the field, you got to have all these fielders that cover the different ways the ball can go. Yeah. And it's in the visible light, you've got this big range of uh, wavelengths and chlorophyll can only capture blues and, and reds. Yeah. But you've got to have other fielders that catch the light. Yeah, at different, no, that's a beautiful uh, analogy. And so the, the, the carotenoids are really good at catching other wavelengths that the chlorophyll can't and but it it reflects yellows and oranges and stuff like that so the reason a leaf is green is uh not because there aren't carotenoids right. and anthocyanins yeah. it's because they're masked that, they're masked yeah all these chlorophyll just cover cover over they just overwhelm the carotenoids yeah. and then in the fall the synthesis of chlorophyll starts to be dialed back and the chlorophyll starts to de degrade. Yeah, the, then, the change in photo period is thought to be the primary driver there. Less sunlight uh, tends to, thought to be the primary driver for the decay or breakdown of photosynthesis or, or at least the uh, slowdown of production of mm -hmm. photosynthesis. And that, of course, that is also encouraged by, tends to be encouraged by reducing temperatures as well. I was just thinking, you know, we almost have an analogous situation in uh, an ecosystem we were both uh, enamored with a few weeks ago, the the kelp forest. We have oh, a, a lot of greens and reds and browns in the oh, kelp yeah. forest. Yeah. And the kelp, you've got, you know, three major groups of algae. And one thing about the kelps, which are in the brown algae. Yeah. Uh, so you got your brown, red, and green algae. The green algae actually has a bright, bright green generally, and they are a lot of the same pigments as plants, land plants. Right. But your brown algaes have chlorophyll A. There's two types of chlorophyll, well, actually several. There's chlorophyll A, B, and C, and uh, land plants have chlorophyll A and B, and algaes have chlorophyll, or brown algaes have chlorophyll A and C, and another type of pigment that gives it more of a, a I've gone blank. It's uh, uh, fucoxanthin. Fucoxanthin. Yeah. fucoxanthin yeah. Thank you. Fucoxanthin, which which gives it that muddy or deep muddy color. Yeah, the yeah. olive drab muddy muddy green. So it's got some greens in it because of the chlorophyll, but then the fucoxanthin 
uh, makes it the brownie brownish. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's neat. I love your analogy about fielders. Right. You know, so once uh, once all those outfielders leave the chlorophyll, what's left behind is the pitcher yep. and the first and second and third baseman at right. shortstop. And those are the carotenoids and, and uh, well, the anthocyanins are a little bit of a different story here, uh, yep. which we'll get to in a minute. So that masking, you know, it's a concentration effect. If all the chlorophyll starts degrading, then those other pigments that are in lesser concentrations, all of a sudden now they're then, visible. Yeah, they're there. Yeah. You see them. They didn't get produced. They, they didn't were just there. get made. They've, yeah. They've yeah. been there all along. Although the anthocyanins are actually, uh, they start actually, they weren't, not all of them were there the whole time. They start getting manufactured into the fall. Yeah. Which is an interesting phenomenon, you know. I guess one of the most interesting or intriguing things about that phenomenon is when the plant seems to be at the worst possible time to start making something new, you know, the, the photo period, the sun's going away, the temperature's dropping. Oh, let's put a whole bunch of energy into making something new. Right. And that's what happens. I mean, this is kind of how the Lord works, really. Right. Maybe it's just, a, you know, it's a cliffhanger. Like Doug often says, you know, uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, right at the very end, there's this, there's this incredible beautiful way that that god comes through and in this case it's it's in production of these reds yeah and we see that in in a lot of these species we've just talked about and so scientists have wondered for quite some time why why you know and science is really bad at the why questions anyway you know god is great at the why yeah. questions science right. is better at the how questions yeah what's going on but yeah and the, so there's some speculation there there's a couple of recent uh, short studies that that I was reading about earlier and and one of the thoughts is that this burst of red that's produced can often help the plant if it's in a kind of a nutrient poor situation where it can make some nutrients at the last minute keep those leaves on just a little bit longer and mm -hmm. that and then those nutrients are shunted into the stems and, and trunk of that tree to help that down, tree survive the winter right and get those sugars down into the roots and yeah yeah yeah, and they some some say that those anthocyanins, the 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 reds, are you know there's again speculation like a sunscreen, um, right? Yeah, protect. Yeah, that protect chlorophyll it, keep it alive a little longer. Yeah, a mention of kind of the bright cold winter days when the chlorophyll can really be degraded rapidly um, in that type of situation where the anthocyanin pigment, uh, for whatever reason, uh, better better built to absorb some of those colder days with really bright sunshine yeah. and, and make some, make some sugars as, as winter's coming on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually one thing that I saw as a kid, my friend had a big maple tree in his yard right down on second street and Jefferson. Okay. And some years it was green and other, I mean, it's a maple tree. And I don't know what species, maybe in Norway, but some years it was green and some years it was more of a reddish color, uh, even not even in the fall. I mean, during wow. the summer it was reddish. Like some years it just was like, oh, we're going to make more anthocyanins. And it was, I have no idea, but it is, um, when you get into plant physiology, something that you can see very easily, the sim the, a child can go, why? Why did that happen? Yet sometimes getting at those answers requires some of the most incredibly uh, astute science. Fire, I mean, this is not biology, but fire we take for granted. It's like, well, you just light a match and, and burn wood. But what's going on 
chemically is something probably would you you really need to know a lot of chemistry and energetics to understand just flame right and so the same with a beautiful fall leaf it's, what's going on in terms of the yeah. cell structure and the chloroplasts the chloroplasts being the uh, organelles that uh, do photosynthesis yeah and all of the pigments inside those chloroplasts it's just uh, and it's not what's neat about all of this and it's true in so many different areas is that it's functional right god has it for a reason yep they are doing stuff that is essential a lot of it is essential for survival but at the same time that he makes it functional he makes it beautiful yeah so that's the the cool interplay and of course absolutely from a evolutionary perspective they would just say beauty is just a happy accident it 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 just happens that we think we like the shape and color and all of that but it wasn't there was there's no ultimate purpose right you know right it was just well evolution built it this way because just that was the selective advantage and it's nice that you happen to think it's pretty right but that's not what the point was right and never we can, mind that everyone thinks it's pretty yeah never mind that there's a standard and and, and yeah. so we can say well actually it's both uh god made it because it's uh useful it's functional there's a utilitarian aspect to all of these pigments it's yeah. not just god with his crayola crowns it's 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 art but it's it's functional yeah kind of like that. a like a chandelier you've got there's there's art to a chandelier stained glass window a stained glass window yeah but it also is there to bring in light yeah to to cause the room to light up but you can have a naked god could have made the world you know just kind of functional naked light bulb everything just but yeah he he made things functional like a chandelier functional and beautiful yeah that's or or not all i mean we god works in a lot of genres Mm-hmm. So we have sometimes a very narrow uh, genre, like, well, we like kittens, mm-hmm. but we don't like angler, you know, angler <laughs> fish or something like that. So God has a bigger range of acceptable genres. We need to have attitude adjustments uh, yeah. to say, okay, yes, snakes, there is beauty and there's beauty and bizarreness. And, you know, he, he, there's there's lots of different aspects to God's oh, creativity, yeah. and it's not just it's, mag- not, it's not just majesty or cuteness or comedy. Yep, no, he does deal in comedy too. You he know? does. No, <laughs> this is uh, that's good. I think of the term biophilia a lot, and to me, you know, God ingrained this desire or affinity for living things right. In us. And so, of course, if we think, think something's beautiful, like these red maples, then we're going to want more red maples or we're going to want to artistically interpret that tree. Um, and so, you know, we do all kinds of amazing horticulture. Uh, and one of the one of the most popular, uh, I think the most popular horticultural variety for fall color is the autumn blaze maple. Mm-hmm. And so autumn blaze maples are everywhere now because someone figured out how to uh, selectively choose for th- those genes that give the best bright red fall yeah. color. I think we bought an autumn blaze. I'm not yeah. sure, but we uh, a year and a half ago we bought an autumn blaze and planted it on our windy, 
are when Is you, he doing okay? Well, it's not dead. <laughs> but we we live Lower in the a bar. we we live in a wind tunnel with no windbreak. Yeah. And so this poor maple, it 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 leaps out in the spring, but then in some of the early it's just a gale. Yeah. Sometimes 40, 50 miles an hour. And those poor leaves just, I mean, it's getting water and everything. So the leaves stay alive more or less all summer. Yeah. But at the end, you can't tell it's a maple <laughs> because <laughs> the the poor leaves are just, they're just tattered. tattered. They're yeah. just, they're in ribbons. Oh man. You know, and they turn color and everything, but it's like, is this a maple tree? <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like afraid, uh, like. Like the uh, American flag after, you know, the Star Spangled <laughs> Banner, where all the whole flag is just all torn We're up. We're going to have to solve that problem. We have to do some landscape work over there, Gordon. Oh, yeah. Well, I did plant a bunch of ponderosa pines, but in a couple, maybe 20 years, 20 we'll years. have a windbreak yeah. to protect by poor maple. Yeah. So I would say, you know, some things that you can do as a family, go, if there's an arboretum or botanical garden where you live, go visit it or yeah. f- a favorite place you where you see fall color. Or you just see the transition of these of these trees uh, from from summer to winter. Go go spend time, enjoy them. Another thing that would be neat to to see that I was thinking of when you were talking about so much so much complex creative order within just the changing of of a pigment or a color of a leaf. If mm-hmm. you if you live in the same place long enough, just take a photo of your favorite fall colored tree. At a sup at a couple of routine days every year, mm-hmm. and so you know October one, October fifteenth, every year, just to see how much variety or change there is from year to year. Yeah, the other thing, and this takes a lot of you know discipline, but you might try one year taking a picture of a tree from exactly the same location and with r- say roughly the same time of day, sort of sort of lighting. It doesn't have to be every day, but like yeah, or maybe even once a week. Yeah. Uh, take a picture of that tree uh, once a week, more or less a, you know, normal lighting and follow the color change all the way through the fall. Yeah. That might just be a neat, but usually we're just so ADD about <laughs> everything, but it, it would be neat to just have a nice string of uh, photos. Yep. You wouldn't have to print them. You could just uh, have them in a passbook or something, you know, and uh, show that that run of color change. Yeah. Yeah. You can or also- year to year, like you said. Yeah. Get, so, get a leaf uh, or two and, you know, kind of get wax paper and melt the wax paper around the leaf. That's always a fun homeschooling project just to preserve the color. You mm-hmm. can preserve the color pretty well for at least a few years uh, doing it that way. Uh, it just, you know, there's lots of fun homeschool leaf projects. Um, one thing do. that I do, and this is just one of my little hobbies, although not this year because I'm on crutches. I'm a duffel pud right now. A duff? I don't know that term. Oh, duffel pud? Uh-uh. Oh, you, Narnia? It's been a long time. Okay, read it's, Narnia. Okay. And you'll, is that, you'll see. Is that, is that used throughout duffel puds, the series? It's a, it's a certain, uh, no, it's a certain group of uh, people, you know, in um, just uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Okay. Where they uh, come come to these people uh, that have one foot. Okay. <laughs> and they hop they hop around on okay. one foot. Yeah. Anyway, the You're like the opposite of a duffel putt, though. You have six limbs now. Well, yeah, but maybe five. My my one functional limb, I'm a duffel putt. <laughs> um but one thing that I do is I go around near peak and to my favorite oaks and maples in yeah. town or sweet gums. And I go around and pluck off 
off the tree my, you know, the best looking leaves. Yeah. And are the ones in within reach. And then I, I collect them all and take them home and put them in like my big world atlas, which is a big book. And I stick the leaves press and press them little, I'm not like officially press them, just yeah. press them in a book. So they flatten out nicely. And then, uh, I keep them, uh, in the book for a few weeks and then I pull them out and then, you know, decorate. Oh, I that's nice. Decorate various places in the, the house. Yeah. I um, love it. There's some sweet comes in our town. Yeah, there is one. Over by on, the recycling by the post, center. And post office. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's yeah. a post office one That's too. a good tree. Yeah, it is great. And decorate, you know, and of course my wife can veto where I've put the leaves. And, right. You know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, well, it goes better This is a beautiful here. leaf, honey, but yeah. I think it needs to go. No, yeah. my wife would do the same thing. Yeah, you know, but, another thing we do in science class, we do a little chromatography. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. you done that before? Yes. Back at Liberty, when we did the photosynthesis lab, we would, uh, we would get all those pigments out of a particular leaf. I yeah. I think we use spinach or something. Okay. Like yeah, spinach works well. And we blended the spinach leaves and then, yeah, go ahead. No, you, tell, add tell. Some, you add some solvent, kind of like some ethyl alcohol or something like that, and extract all the pigment out and get it in this nice, colorful solution. And we would divide up the leaves that you collected by, by pigment. So a whole bunch of green ones here, orange ones here, red ones here. Add your alcohol and tear them up into small bits and mash them. And that alcohol draws the pigment out and you kind of get this nice little solution of, of different colors. And you can add some filter paper in a, in a long strip. And then uh, that, that alcohol solution will wick up uh, that filter paper. And eventually it'll reach a point where that pigment molecule will go no further. Right. And it makes a nice line. Line there. And that's, that's roughly, can be yeah. roughly correlated with the mass mm -hmm. of that, of that yeah, molecule. We, we did that. And, uh, I remember we did sort of a cylindrical piece of filter paper down into the solvent and yeah. with the, with the pigments. And then it would wick up, like you said, and then the chlorophyll A and B, you'd yeah. see a band for them. Yep. And the carotenoids would be farther up. And yeah, it was it, really neat. Yeah, it is. It's kind of a neat uh, look into the science of pigments, but also it's beautiful. Yep. Great. Good stuff, Gordon. Yeah. Let's go out well, and enjoy let's, some yeah, fall leaves. Let's, you do the same. Go out and enjoy this beautiful fall if, you, if you're not like in... Arizona or something. <laughs> I don't know. Do the There's some oaks down there. You <laughs> yeah, that's get true. those canyon oaks. I don't know if the saguaros <laughs> do anything, but anyway, <laughs> do what you can wherever you are. That's Take care. A, all right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O science.com.